Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S, that is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Williams, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with us. We're going to have a great show for you tonight. Not tonight. It's not night. It's morning. Well, it's noon. We're Central Time, so we're going to have a great show for you today. Um, we're going to be talking about the Trump voter some. Should we really be addressing the Trump voter? Should we really be wasting our time, as some people believe we would, if we actually address them? I don't think it's a waste of time. Felipe Barker, blessings, Egberto Willis. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, Janine, welcome aboard. Let's see who else is here before we get started. Danny Caldwell, my buddy. We also have uh, quite a few people coming in on uh, on uh, Blog Talk Radio as well. Anyhow, folks, how is everybody doing this morning? I trust everybody's fine. And by the way, I just lost my my ability to check things out. But anyway, we're going to have a good show today. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about should we really be helping out the Trump voter? Should we really engage the Trump voter? I think we should. Some people told me when, when we wrote this uh, blog of the week that hell no. They're far gone, they're racist, they're all these other issues. I don't necessarily, I can't really say all of that, right? After all, I actually have relatives, sadly, that have voted for Trump as well. Again, I said, sadly. Anyhow, uh, I also want to touch on something that I heard today, and it was quite interesting what I heard on, uh, on Joanne Reed this morning. She had a little talk with Reverend Barber, and Reverend Barber had something interesting that he that he said to uh, about the Republican voters, and I think it is something that every single progressive, every single person of conscience, should really look into adding to their, uh, if you will, what 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 do I want to call it, into your talking points. And I want to find the article, not the article. I, I wrote a blog post about it this morning. And I want to reach it. And the reason I want to talk about that a little bit is because I think for too long, we have allowed Republicans to take a moral high ground that is completely undeserving. In other words, what they've done is they've made you believe, they've made many believe that they speak, one, for those who are religious, that they speak for God or they speak for Christianity, for those who are not religious, that somehow they have some moral equivalency to what's better for society than what you believe in. We have to neuter that. We have to stop that entirely. And I'm a bit distracted because 
we started the show on on a particular page that we needed that we didn't get it on and i want to make sure that we get it on that particular page as well but anyhow what barber said this morning was quite uh what should i say what barber said this morning was inciting actually it was more than inciting it was it was fact-based so let's get to that and talk about what he had to say as soon as I get a chance to uh, share this to the appropriate uh, page, we will get right in to that. But it seems, here we go, that's the page I need to get it on. Voila. Okay. What did Barbara say? Let me pull it up on a computer here. I don't think I, 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 I saved, it, saved it off, but I want to get to it because it, the, the statement was very important. He said the following. Uh, come on, computer, speed up some, because we want to hear what the, right, the good reverend had to say. In as much as I'm a humanist, as you all know, but if somebody says something good, I think it should be placed. Okay, Joanne Reed asked, uh, asked Barber what he made about the election of uh, Roy, Roy Moore in Alabama. Roy Moore is a right-wing, conservative, crazy Republican guy that is now going to be likely the senator from Alabama. And this is what Barber said. He said, one of the things Joy and I think we have to own, there is not a lot of difference between Roy Moore and the other candidate or many of the extremists in their GOP. They have become anti-gay, anti-black and brown immigrants, anti-universal health care, anti-living wages, anti-labor rights, anti-voting rights, anti-environmental justice, anti-criminal justice reform, anti-women's rights. The Reverend then pointed out the following. The problem with that is the things that they have been anti or counter to the things that Jesus, for instance, was pro, Barbara said. You know, Jesus was pro-lifting the poor, pro-living wages, pro-helping those on the margins, pro-immigrants, pro-equal protection under the law. So when you see people trying to distance themselves from Roy Moore, there's really a, not a lot of difference when you actually look at the voting records and policies. One thing I'm sure of. Jesus would not be waving a gun being advised by a white nationalist ideologue like Banner and, and talking about tax cuts for the wealthy. I am clear on that in terms of the scripture. And it's hard for people to distance themselves from him when in fact, when in fact, the difference is more style rather than substance. That's an important statement. And I think it is something that everyone should really start uh, inst instantiating in their own beliefs. Because what he's saying there, he's saying, look, we can look at all the crazies, you know, the crazies that, uh, that we all laugh, about, laugh at and that even some of the Republicans are embarrassed about. But when it comes to policy, when it comes to what these guys effect into policy, now, yesterday, and going forward, we have to realize that what these guys have done is no different, absolutely no different, than the things Roy Moore stands for. And if we don't, we have to get that in our psyche when we're discussing these things civilly with these people, but we have to let it be known that we know. We have to let it be known that we know. Well, on the news front, let me remind folks, uh, the enrollment period for Obamacare or for the Affordable Care Act is coming up. And it is, as you know, Trump and those guys have been pushing the narrative that the, that the program is failing. 
And for the program to fail, what, it ha what has to happen is people have to not enroll. They have to stop enrolling and they have to stop buying their, their policies and the government has to stop putting in money. Well, there are two ways for the government to stop putting in money, right? One is for them not to provide the subsidies that they need for those people who would get subsidies. Or another way to, to really bring down the system and, and have it lacking of money is to simply say, let's ensure that people cannot enroll. And guess what the government is doing? They're doing maintenance on the website during the weekends where people would most likely be rushing to enroll on the plan. So this is sabotage altogether. This is sabotage that needs to be addressed. This is sabotage that we need to talk about. And this is sabotage that should be all over the news. Ali Bell, she brought it up today with Stephanie Rule on MSNBC. But we don't hear it on Fox News. We don't hear it a whole lot on ABCs and all these guys. This is a critical issue. We're talking about the health of your fellow citizens. We're talking about the health of folks being materially affected by what the president is doing. In other words, the president is yet one other Republican, in effect, committing legalized murder for those people who won't get the, um, won't get the care that they need. Anybody wants to comment on the legalized murder? And folks, for some reason right now on my, let's see if I can click this for the comments and see if that will show up. Not, that doesn't do it, but let's go back here and, and do that and see if I can get back to the, uh, to, the, to the screen here. Okay. All right. Anyhow, folks, so what is the show going to be about today? And let me pull it up on the screen. It's going to be as follows. It's going to be as follows. Um. The title of the show is Let's Listen to and Help Trump Voters, the Trump Voter Realize Trump is Screwing Them. In subtitle, some think the Trump voter is unreachable. I don't. I know some folks think that's simplistic. I know folks, some folks believe we're simply wasting our time. Uh, what I like to tell folks is no. Uh, let's, let's do it this way. Many believe in Trump the Trump voters unreachable. I don't. I think we should make an attempt to reach every voter and current non-voters. Some responded to the blog of the week stating, we should leave those voters alone and concentrate on the non-voter. But I have an important answer to that. There's something to a non-voter. There's a reason there's a non-voter, right? That person does not, many, there, there's, there are systemic reasons why some people don't vote, but there are also other reasons that some people simply don't give a damn. They don't think their vote matters. So I tend to want to concentrate on folks. Uh, yes, let's bring up the base and let's encourage others to vote. Let's give others a reason to vote, vote into, the, into the system. But at the same time, let's realize that the people who go out there and vote, there's a pattern there. And there's a pattern that I think we must uh, use. But you know, folks, uh, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I'd like to hear what you think about it. I'd like you to share these videos because it's important that we are going to get the message across that we put these guys out there. Uh, right now, we have, uh, we've, we've been getting several thousand uh, throughput on all these videos, which uh, sounds like a lot. But what we really want to get to are millions to get these things out there. Because if we are going to really uh, enlighten other people, we have to do it on our own. We have to do it by ourselves. So do remember, folks, to please go ahead and share these videos. Uh, for the callers online right now, I'm going to be coming to you, but we first need to get to the blog of the week. So hang with me, 
and we'll be getting to the blog of the week, and we're going to try to get, no, we're going to try, we're going to get all those calls in. So you know what time it is. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay, blog post today. The blog post today, Trump voter, please listen. The president is screwing both you and me. And before I read it, I want to tell you guys something. Um, you can say, ah, we don't care about the Trump voter. But if somebody, uh, their vote affects you too, right? In other words, you can't just sit back. You can't sit back and say, the hell with the Trump voter, the hell with all of this. Because they're, this, this, the crap that they are doing also affects you. That's the pragmatic point here. What they are doing affects you. It's, no, it's not that I love these folks or I want to get and uh, have fun with these folks. It's that their vote materially affects us all. So anyhow, here it goes. Today, I got a compounding bad taste in my mouth. You see, it is not enough for me to see the impending acceleration of the demise of the middle class, specifically because of Trump-driven policies. The problem is that those who do the extensive research to see through the fraud are not enough. We need to get to our Trump-supporting brothers and sisters, the Trump voter. I came up with a standard phrase that I use on my Politics Done Right show, this show, radio show, broadcasted on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston on Pacifica Network Station and on the Coffee Party Network. The scariest thing for the plutocracy is the uniting of the ghettos, the barrios, and Appalachia. While it is a bit stereotypical, the point is clear. It is the exact reason why Trump more magnifies and foster divisions on many fronts. Trump must divide Americans given that absent the manufactured conflict, citizens would, unlo- would unite against his fraudulent and deceptive policies. After speaking to voters of every stripe, and you guys know I speak to just about everybody, I am confident of one thing. We mostly want the same thing. I will build the chart to show those similarities and differences in subsequent blog posts, but for now, I want to concentrate on the clear and present chain or clear and present danger to our personal economies, your economy, my economy. Each of us have our own individual economies. Donald Trump's healthcare rather. For the state of this article, I will use the words right and left. Of course, we know there are gradations and even flipping between constituencies. Donald Trump's uh, healthcare policy and tax reform policy will continue the decimation of the middle class a far cry from the populist president that he purports to be. Ill, uh, illness does not know party or ideologue or ideology. I'm sure we want a program where Americans can all get the health care they need when they need it. Trump here does not offer anything close. Trump is asking you, asking us all to believe that he can cut out the money going into health care and magically get better outcomes, reduce premiums, and give a higher level of care. If we're honest, we know that it's hogwash. The president needs the savings from health care to give larger tax cuts that will mostly go to the wealthy since they pay a larger percentage of taxes. The reality is that every Republican plan so far means higher premiums, higher out-of-pocket costs, or bankruptcy for the middle class. Many, many, many on the left, including yours truly, prefer a single-payer Medicare for all system. I understand those on the right are not convinced that it's the best way, let's be clear. There is a good reason in the short term then to keep the Affordable Care Act with fixes until we come up with an American health care system we can agree on in the long term. 
For the super ideological reader, note that the Affordable Care Act had its genesis in the Heritage Foundation, a conservative think tank. Only when Republicans slapped the name Obamacare onto it did it become untouchable. Remember that. We could work towards a bifurcation, bifurcated system, a single-payer Medicare for all system for those who don't have employer-based health insurance and an employer-based insurance. My hunch is that efficiencies realized in one will lead us closer to re the rest of the industrialized world. But at least we could have that real-time test. We could test it, and people could see the real benefits. Trump claimed that his tax reform plan was mostly to give the middle class tax relief. Unfortunately, even though his tax reform framework is short on details, it is clear that the only sure beneficiaries are the wealthy, including a billion-dollar tax break for the president. And here is a kicker. The average working class voter can pay up to 35% of their wages in taxes. However, if you're a doctor, lawyer, or another high-income professional, you get the ability to convert most of your income to business profit, which would cap the tax rate at 25%, call a pass-through. So, so much for being a working class tax reform president. There are many social policy differences between the left and the right. Let us resolve those separate from that which can negatively affect us economically. Let's not allow Trump or anyone else to play us against each other. When we allow that, both of us are left holding the bag while they, those running the plutocracy, eat the caviar. Trump voter, for the sake of us and for the well-being of the middle class, folks, you guys got to get with the program. You guys have to get with the program, lest it hurts not just you, it hurts us all. Folks, telephone number 646-929-2495. I think that's the number, 646 929 2495. I and push the number one if you want to speak. And I think we have Senor John. Come on in. How are you doing this morning, my friend? Good afternoon, Egberto. Good to hear from you. Great. Yeah, Thank I you. mean, I, I I agree with you. Uh, you know, the the Trump voter. You know, but it you know needs to be uh, address some of these issues. But I think this is already happening. You know, you know if you look at. Uh, polling material uh you know in in matchups bernie sanders is actually winning 10% of the trump voters i mean even right. you know this week we had michelle obama and cory booker you know winning 8% in right. hypothetical matchups and so i mean this is this you know, people have to remember that that trump was elected i'm not i'm not going to call it a fluke what right. I am going to call it, though, is that he he drove Hillary's negatives so much that you know there's never been two two candidates with uh, lower negatives in the history of American polling, and right. so that was his strategy. He knew he was he was incredibly unpopular, and that the only way he could win was to drive Hillary's numbers down, and he did it. And you know, and he was able. He was able to uh, make that work for him, you know, and barely, barely eke by a win. And, an electoral uh, college win. We call it right, an electoral college win. Right, right, which is how we judge it, you know, because I think that, you know, I think that actually changing that would be, you know, almost impossible, you know, because if you have majorities, two-thirds majorities in, in the House and the Senate, I mean – 
I don't think that's going to be the highest priority. You're going to be pretty happy. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm just saying it happened. It happened in the 30s for uh, you know during the depression. It happened for uh, some part of the 30s. It happened uh, in the in the 60s for a short time period uh, uh, before the Voting Rights Act was. Happened, and then the, a lot of the southern states went the other way, went towards the Republicans. But it really hasn't happened too often in our history. So I mean, right. I think the focus. I mean, I, I see your point. I see your point. In a perfect world, we should have the popular vote. But I mean, what I'm saying is that we should focus on winning elections. You know, in the short term. I so, agree with you 100 percent. So I mean, and I think that that we can do that, and you know, and and I I just you know as as much as damage as Trump has done, I mean, I think we should we remember that his numbers are incredibly low, and what his what he's been doing, you know, is is just I just don't think he has any kind of political. He's so deranged mentally that he really doesn't have any kind of political. Uh, compass about you know what's popular and what's not popular and you can just see him today attacking the mayor of San Juan Puerto Rico who is you know just saying that these people are in a life and death situation and he has not responded to it and, and you know and it's just so disgusting to hear him from day 1 saying you know we're doing great things applauding himself saying that you know he's so uh, afraid of any kind of negative press that he just makes up all these lies how how you know how they've been doing this uh responding to this in a in a proper manner when it's it's been it's been a nightmare and it's just it's just so so awful and and you know if you compare the press's uh view from Katrina and for George W. Bush to Trump with with uh, what's going on in Puerto Rico, I agree with you. You know, we talked about the press on your KPFT show. The press, right. I mean, uh, and then I have to give credit. Uh, I mean, Ali Velshi and a few other people have done a good job on MSNBC over the last few few right. days. And you know, in the first few days when they would go to Puerto Rico, the 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 feed would cut out, you know, half of the time, the satellite feed. And, but, I mean, now it seems like they're more stable. And and so, you know, it's just been a nightmare for these people, and his response has been awful. His response, And it, it is a difficult logistical situation, but, I mean, he could have done so many things. He could have sent the, the ship in earlier. He could have sent more troops in. He could have sent more money. He has a private plane. Why doesn't he fill that private plane with foods and supplies and, and send that down there? I mean, you know, he's playing. Yeah. He's playing golf. He's, you know, he's got all, you know, all this corruption that's happening with Price, with Pruitt, with uh, uh, Ryan Zinke. All these corrupt people, they all take their cues from Trump because Trump. Uh, is is so corrupt and you know he from day one he wouldn't sell his business he wouldn't do all the things that the other presidents did he's uh he's going against the emoluments clause which is an impeachable offense but i mean right. you know but i mean the press really hasn't played on that because 
I mean, and Republicans have just let him do everything. You know, they haven't held him accountable because they want tax cuts for their rich donors, just like you talked about earlier in the show. And uh, so, I mean, you know, people say it's a constitutional crisis. It's a congressional crisis because the the Republicans in the Congress are so incredibly corrupt that they will not hold him accountable. Let me ask you to hold a bit. That I'm leaving your mic hot, and let's bring in another caller as well. Uh, five four one, you're hot. Come on in, five four one. Who do I have the honor of speaking with? You are speaking with Janine, and I just love it when you tell me I'm hot. So. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Janine? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I, may, may I begin with a very simple statement, and that is this old, white, Anglo-Saxon American is so ashamed. I want to apologize to all Hispanic and Spanish-speaking Americans for this blatant act of bigotry that's going on in the name of disaster relief in Puerto Rico. I cannot believe that it is not clear as a bell that Florida and Texas were treated totally differently and frankly, the amount, the number of people in this country who don't even know that Puerto Ricans are American citizens makes me crazy. So I, I'm on one knee here to the Hispanic community because I'm ashamed of this response. And, you know, we can politicize that all we want, but I, I'm doing everything. I know everyone who's listening is probably doing everything they can to improve the situation there. But then to have a desperate elected official basically called once again a nasty woman is unthinkable and humiliating to America. So there's my now, I appreciate the statement. I mean, I, I just want to add a little corollary to it. Uh, you know, sure. my, belief, my beliefs are, are pretty simple. Race is a, con- is a, is a social construct uh, that is used to divide, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't, on my show, as I've always stated, I don't want anybody to apologize for who they are, assuming that because of who they are, they're representative of someone else who has done wrong. I just want us, as long as you're doing, in my book, as long as folks are doing right, as long as they're doing what they're supposed to do, we are all in this game. We're all humans. But um, keeping your mic hot to come, up, come in, but let me bring in 832. 832 uh, starts with a three-digit 489. You're hot. Who am I? Who do I have the honor of speaking with? It's your buddy, Daniel. How are you, Alberto? Daniel, how are you doing, my brother? Talk to me. By the way, folks, Daniel is the president of Indivisible Houston, one of the most active organizations in town raising hell to ensure that Harris County – is turned blue and working with the other indivisible organizations throughout the state to eventually turn Texas blue. Talk to me, my friend. Well, you know, I mean, you've already seen this, but obviously there are going to be some people today who might have a reaction to your position that we need to open up a dialogue that's, uh, you know, that are less than satisfied with that. And I hear where they're coming from. Uh, Naturally, the, uh, you know, right now we're not talking directly to anyone. So, we don't have to worry about being highly emotive. We're talking strategy here. So I want to get academic with you for a moment. Um, 
you know, when we talk about the, the, the issue that I run into and the issue I think a lot of people run into is that there's a base of voters that helped push the current power structure across the finish line that is not just um, as a matter of strategy anti-Semitic and racist and prejudiced, but as a matter of ideology. And there's this old Jean-Paul Sartre quote that I want to read you. You might have heard this before, um, but I think that it makes a fair point. This might be why people are a little bit wary to engage, which is never believe that anti-Semites are completely unaware of the absurdity of their replies. They know that their remarks are frivolous, open to challenge, but they're amusing themselves for it is is their adversary who is obliged to use words responsibly since he believes in words. The anti-Semites have the right to play. They even like to play with discourse, for by giving ridiculous reasons, they discredit the seriousness of their interlocutors. They delight in acting in bad faith, since they seek not to persuade by sound argument, but to intimidate and disconcert. If you press them too closely, they will abruptly fall silent, loftily indicating by some phrase that the time for argument is past. Now, I've run into people who think this way and act this way, not only online, but at live rallies, where they try to create head fakes. Uh, and and draw people into fights and aggression and violence. And I think that that's one of the dangers that uh, anyone who looks to persuade someone who um, bought into the current power structure would have to expose themselves to merely to open these dialogues in the first place. Now, there was a try, there was a long, long time, if you ask me, attempt at dialogue in this country for many, many years uh, to try to, to meet in the middle and come up with civil governance. And we all got left in the cold. As you like to point out, the plutocrats, plutocrats made off with the money and everybody else got left in the cold. The middle class is shrinking and the rest is history. Hopefully it will turn out well for us. But what do you make of someone who might criticize your position by saying that you we're opening ourselves up to more risk and that we're trying to run up a down escalator when we, we seek to directly persuade these blocks instead of just turning their positions into un- unpopular positions and pushing for an ideology that can attract people and letting that ideology take power. All right. Uh, very, very good point. And uh, by the way, I, I, I completely agree with the statement that you read. Let me put it in this context because I think sometimes it is mis- misunderstood. Uh, not, none of what we're doing is necessarily mutually exclusive. What, what I am for, first of all, I understand within the psyche of, of human beings, within the psyche of all the people that we're engaged with, uh, most people are not very ideological. They, they have been made to believe they are very ideological. Uh, in, in the red areas that I've constantly engaged in, what I notice is when we speak, when we speak away from, uh, from, from ideologies, folks have a tendency to agree on a whole lot of issues. It is a fact, based on even what you just said, that we would have those people that are that, that are anti-Semite, and they know they're anti-Semite. They're racist. They know they're racist. They're misogynist. They know they're misogynist. They don't care. That is who they are, and that's who they want to be. Those are not the people that I want to address. Those are not the people that I want any of us, that, that anybody that's listening to these uh, programs to address. And folks, do remember to share these programs because it is important for, for this dialogue to, be, uh, to get a larger stage. But what is uh, but there are enough people within the Trump domain. There are enough folks within the Trump domain, and it's not hard to, to qualify who these people are, that are simply there out of peer pressure, that are simply there because they think they don't have a home, uh, a home in, in, in a movement that attracts them. And in what you just said about making that ideology so stink that they come to you, that is exactly what you do. In other words, 
uh, the appro- your approach as far as point out how bad that ideology is will have a tendency to win over some. But as Rykoff would tell you, you also need to remember what's known as personalization of the message. And Rykoff speaks about that quite often. You have to personalize the people because they have been so damaged by the outside, by what the outside has been putting forth to them, that you don't even get it. You don't even get them to listen to you. As an example, the figures that we're doing right here now, uh, one of the reasons that I engage with a whole lot of folks on the right is particularly to ensure that those people on the right, uh, I am within their feeds. And being within their feeds means that I can also share that information that they otherwise would not see. Uh, uh, personally, again, in, let's say in these red areas, uh, I can get into places that some of us otherwise would, some of us on the left fringe probably wouldn't. Am I tolerated? Yes. Uh, do I know that it's simply a toleration? Yes. But you know what? That is all I need to get in there. Can respond that, and then I'm going to jump back to John. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting, and I, I, I wrote this in your comments here. I mean, you're more patient than I am in some respects, right? You know, I applaud you for that. You know, I think that that's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a worthy um, shot. I just... If the, look, the, what, what freaks me out is not somebody screaming from the side of their truck. What freaks me out is when a truck rolls by that has an Evropa bumper sticker and nobody says anything and the windows are tinted. That's what freaks me out, right, in a street action. So I'm saying that when, when you know, you're, you're a communicator, you've got media, you, you know, it's your goal. It's clearly an important part of what you do on a day-to-day to get this message to areas where it maybe doesn't exist. But there also is some risk involved in that. And, um and I wonder sometimes if that's the right, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if it makes more sense to put more resources and eggs into that basket or if it makes more sense to show up at places like barbecues and civic associations and things like that and start talking to everybody. And then we're not saying, you know, get, get to the core of what you're saying, which is it's not so much this audience that we're talking about, but it's a matter of this is the ideology that we need to pursue in the country. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, I might not be, I might be in varying levels of agreement with you at this point, but I wanted to weigh in and talk to you about that. Look, thank you for, thank you for making that point, uh, Daniel. I think it's important, and I think the conversation must be had. Uh, it is important to look at it. Like I, like I always tell people, you know, when I talk about folks with the Green Party, when I talk to folks about the Democratic Party and all the others, the one thing I tell them is, look, first of all, we don't all have all the answers. I don't, you don't, nobody does. So uh, my contention is that what or, and what I do, the way I the, the way I run my my little section of the movement is to understand that I'm fallible in my thinking and to try things and some will work, some won't work. What works, I continue. What doesn't work, I throw away. What happens a lot of times in our movement is that people get too rigid, and when I say rigid, I mean they don't they don't open up for the possibility that other things that other things can can work and. In doing so, I think that as well is a danger. So what I'm saying is, is for, for the way you approach uh, your, your activism, I am 100% engaged in your form of activism. For the way that some of my folks here in King would approach their activism, I'm 100% in support of them. Because the most important thing that we have to get out there is for folks to know that whatever they're doing to move us all forward, they have support 
from the base. And that is what I'm here to provide. That's what I know you are here to provide. That's what John's here to provide, Janine, and all the folks at Coffee Party, Indivisible Houston, uh, the Houston Era Progressives, and all these other groups that are trying to get something done. But anyway, John, let me ask you to hold a bit, Daniel, and let me get Daniel back into the, I mean, get John back into the conversation. John, come on in. Yeah, I think he, he made some excellent points, and I think I, I've also said that you have uh, you have a lot of patience. You have more patience than I have, definitely, and that's that's a good quality to have because I think you you will get as a percentage you will get across to more people. Now, you know, I guess my approach is a little bit different. You know, I think it's a you know you just you just state the facts, and I think that that actually gets gets across to people too. I think at a lower percentage, but I mean, you know, like one guy who calls into Sam Cedar all all the time, he's a regular caller, he's a pretty beloved caller, and he used to be a Mormon. And so, you know, Mormons go around and they, you know, try to convert other people. And so, you know, when he was talking to people, uh sometimes he would get questioned uh by people to you know, question his own belief system. And so, you know, eventually he started to question, you know, why he was a Mormon. And, you know, it's up to everybody's individual, uh, you know, ideology about, you know, what your religion is or what you believe politically. But I I think the idea that that you always – if you have a conversation, you know, people's minds can change. And there's there was a lot of soft Trump voters who had – uh, he just basically voted for Trump because he was a Republican. That R was in front. He went right. through the process. He won the nomination, and I think that's absolutely why he. Another reason why he he squeaked by with a very small victory. Uh, and so, so I, I think both approaches are great on a pure political uh, point of view. I mean, I think that like Becky Bond, uh, who's worked you know with with Bernie Sanders. Uh, I, she has a, a philosophy uh, which is much more open-ended, and I'm not sure if, if you think this is more effective. I, I, you might. Uh, basically knock on doors and have conversations with people, you know, as opposed to like the Obama strategy, which is find out who your supporters are and get them to the polls. And there's no doubt that the Obama strategy worked. I mean, in 2008 and 2012, that strategy was extremely effective. And so... I understand that. Actually, I really understand that that concept. The Obama concept works, right? He he, He actually micromanaged the election. He knew what district where people resided. He was able to do all of that perfectly and activated those guys to bring them out to vote. That's perfect. There were several storms that occurred in 2008 that made that effective, less so effective in 2012, which still did, however, work. But here's the kicker. The real kicker is based on the way the structure of the Senate and the House is right now. It is not completely workable. The Obama model is not completely workable anymore, and that we can see from the results after his first two years in office when we had that blue wave that, that drove things in. What do I mean by that? Specifically, we get, we get majorities, but we don't get governing majorities. And what we have to start working on is getting governing majorities, and that is where I think 
an onslaught of changing, of changing the body politic proper, not just segmenting the body politic to get a slight majority, but changing the body politic as a whole. Something like what's in Canada. Everybody in Canada has the same vision or or, or the vast majority of everybody in Canada, the vast majority of everybody in France, they have the same feelings towards a healthcare system, what a healthcare system should look like and feel like in their country. We don't. And we, you know, so I mean, we have to get places where we start to have governing majority. You want to add something? I'll come back to you, John. Anything to that, Janine, or not? Well, I, I do. I, I think that, um, I think I posted earlier, but I honestly believe that Trump is no longer speaking to Republicans, and Trump is no longer speaking to his voters. Right now, what people call his base are the only people he's speaking to. And frankly, I call it the hate base because, you know, how could he – anyway, so if you, if you assume that, then you can go farther and say the only way a hate base is possible to be politically effective is in the cases of A, gerrymandering, mm-hmm. uh, B, B, this huge misinformation campaign that's going on, and C, a little help from our friends. Like, right. How do you only win by one percent in four states that would have had a uh, would have had a recount if it had been one and a half percent or two percent? Um, so anyway, all I'm saying is he's not actually talking to you and me. He's not actually talking to his voters. Therefore, we are free to talk to his voters, and that's the conversation. Exactly, I hear you having. It's like, let's allow for people who voted for him for one reason to vote and listen to a different conversation now. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to add to that, uh, because what you just said is important and, and really is my true belief as well, right? And it goes as follows. It, it, it pretty much says we have to give people the opportunity to have failed or to have made a mistake and come back from that mistake without feeling completely and entirely judged. I mean, it, it, the easiest thing that, I mean, the easiest thing for me or for anybody else, right, is to say, how can you be so dumb to have elected somebody that likes this? And how can you have been so gullible to believe that what he said he would come through to? The truth of the matter is there are a lot of people who voted for him that had no belief in that, that he would have come through for them. They just wanted to stick it to... They just wanted to stick it to all those who elected President Obama, and, and there are a lot of other reasons uh, behind these issues. But again, what you said is correct. We have, I think, uh, uh, some of us, uh, we, 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 you know, we, it doesn't have to be all of us. What Daniel said, you know, I, I support what Daniel is going out there and doing or, or in, in the manner that he is doing it, but I also want, I, I, will, I will also continue to follow the method that I've decided to, to take because in a, I, I've, I've, I've seen fruit out of it, and many who are doing the same thing, they are seeing those fruits. And I think we just have to continue it. I mean, we have to just go ahead and do what, again, uh, the, the, way, the reason viruses were, the reason that AIDS virus was put in check wasn't because they figure out one protein on the virus, they hit that protein, and it just went away because the virus mutated in a whole lot of different forms. 
the reason they were able to attack that virus and keep people living a, a good life indefinitely now is because they threw a whole lot of different angles. They fought it from several different angles, and that is what kept it in check. I think if we use that same type of methodology with our politics, I can't see it failing. Go ahead, Janine. I hear you wanted to come in. Oh, actually, I didn't. Oh, actually, I didn't. Heard me, uh, oh okay. But, <laughs> but no, I agree with you. I really think that we overestimate. When we say they, Trump, 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 right. Trump, 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 those guys or how stupid could you be? We're right. really talking to so few people. Exactly. And if you want to alienate a whole bunch of people, keep denigrating one another. Then we're just playing the same reading. We're just denigrating a different set of people. And as long as denigration is the rule of the day, no good will come of it. Absolutely. So I, I think I, I think that is why, I, and I, and I think that is a concept that I'm working from. And if we can, if if we can, if you know, you know what is very hard, and this is just some sort of psychology. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I'm not practicing psychology here, but uh, if somebody likes you or if somebody, or let's not even say they like you. Let's say somebody doesn't hate you. They have a tendency to talk to you or even listen to what you say. You know, when I'm talking to folks, when I'm out there at Starbucks, I know my God, my Starbucks was flooded and God knows when I get to go to my walk-in Starbucks any longer. But anyhow, when you go to a Starbucks or whatever, and you sit down and talk, I don't expect that person when they're done talking to me and when I talk to them about facts or all of that to say, oh, my God, I've seen the light. Because they're not going to want to see the light from Egberto telling them something. Nobody wants that. They want to see the light with them thinking that they've seen the light on their own. So what I, all, there are a lot of things that I believe in doing, and that is planting a seed. So that the next time they get the opportunity to dump Trump, in other words, the next time, the next time Trump does something, the catalyst is already there for them to say, oh, I've had it, and they have come to the self-realization that they needed to make a change. The other thing that I always preach, and this is something you should preach to all your friends, families that are Trump voters. You know, I have some of those that are my own family as well that are Trump voters. This is something that you tell them. Remember when you get into that booth. Whenever you are behind that booth, nobody knows how you're voting. So therefore, peer pressure and all of that doesn't have to follow you into the booth. Your heart, your thoughts can follow you into that booth. John, come on in. Okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to speak about earlier is uh, you, were, you were mentioning the, the point about Canada and you know Canada had conservative governments, and you know this, this is constantly a struggle. I mean, yes, they they've never abandoned their their single payer system, but I mean, there's always people fighting, fighting to get more. You know, I was just uh, Naomi Klein's one of my favorite Canadians, and she's she's trying to expand their system because you know they don't have dental care they don't have uh, the, pres- the prescription and so this, this is that the same thing in Europe also you know the 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 base of the country even when they have conservative rulers even when they have let's say uh, may right now or even thatcher back then i mean they may have cuts 
but I mean the basic system is maintained, and so that's where we need to get to. We need to get to here in America, and I think I'm not sure, you know, how the Alexander Murray uh, uh, strengthening of the ACA. I hope that can pass, uh, you know, to where it's really, you know, good and and really helps people because I mean obviously. Price is gone now, but I mean, I I think that Trump was actually driving everything that Price said about the sabotage, and the next person coming in is going to sabotage it just as much. And so where we need to get to as a country is to say, yeah, you know, the ACA, it, 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 it had 22 million people didn't have coverage, and now they do. Look at all the people that had medical bankruptcies. Uh, because they got cancer or they have, you know, severe heart disease or whatever the malady that they had, that they've been helped by this. And so we need, you know, basic, you know, uh, decency as far as healthcare is concerned. And, you know, right now, uh, all of the, the, what the Republicans have been doing, you know, since uh, the ACA was passed, is, is this is mainly uh, on a political uh, basis. It's not on a humane basis. It's not. It's just. It's just trying to score, you know, political points. And I usually don't talk that way because, you know, I'm I'm extremely ideological, extremely political. But I mean, you know, there has to be something that that, that actually uh, that actually you know concerns basic decency and and if you're helping people how can that be bad and all of these bad faith arguments that the republicans are talking about the ACA you know they've just been rejected as it, as they've been put in the the forefront of the discourse by the american public and i think tax reform is going to be the same thing people don't want the tax the, the rich people to get more tax cuts you know it's just the opposite and so so they're they're trying to go against what people want to satisfy their donors and we need to have that basic you know even conservatives should say you know yeah people need health care right now the chip program is going to run out i mean there are millions of kids minnesota is the first state that's going to run out of funding now i think this is going to be passed within the next week or so because again i mean it's it's been a, a program i think since the 90s and so so but i mean we really you know these are these children need our help and and so uh you know this is something that we should be focused on and uh i i just hope that people can realize you know you can you can even if you have an attitude of like i want smaller government you know, you still you still should have basic decency, and you should still understand that people need health care. And just because your your party is against it doesn't uh, doesn't make it right to support that view. And I think you know with, with go ahead. Well, I think with with Collins and Murkowski, uh, you know, with the Medicaid cuts, uh, you know. Basically, the reason this didn't pass was because of of them and a couple of people who were even more extreme. And you can make the point that Rand Paul, you know, the Connect was actually one of the most popular uh, Medicaid expansion states. 
and so, I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, he's using that fake, you know, it, it didn't go far enough because, you know, if it was actually passed, uh, repealed, all these people in Connect would go against him. Look, there's because they don't even know they're in the ACA. Right. That, that's that's what I was about to tell you. Uh, the people in in Kentucky love what they have in Connect. And the reason that they named it Connect and not the ACA or Obamacare or anything like that was for exactly that reason. And the judge and and it turned out to be, it is working better than than most throughout most of the states because they set up their own local exchange. They did everything locally using the the, the ACA system, and it worked. You know. But anyhow, um, I think it is important that going forward that we take a look at 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 the entire. What is the word that they, they like to use? I, I forgot the parlance that's used. But we have to look at the, the, everything in the aggregate and, 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 and solve the problems holistically, solve, or body poli- solve the problems of body politics holistically. And if we can do that, if, when we do that, because that's, the only, that's one of the reasons we're activists, right? We have to change. We don't want to keep doing things the same way that they were done before and expect somehow a different result. And that's what I tell all my fellow activists, right? I looked at them and I said, look, uh, look at what occurred during the Vietnam War. Look at what occurred uh, during the civil rights. Look at what occurred through all, all these things. And then ask yourself the question, were all these different quasi-revolutions successful? And if they were successful, how long-lived, long-lived was their success? And if any of that has a problem, in other words, you know, when it comes to the civil rights, you know, I'm going to say something that is, a, is rather dangerous, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I was not a fanatic of how the American civil rights movement was run. And the reason why is exactly what is occurring today. I personally believe that because of how this, the, the, uh, the civil rights was run in the past, it has given the Trump, the guys who follow the Trump model, the white supremacist model, to believe that they have a bigger right to this country than not. In my opinion, many Americans went and asked for their liberation and asked to be given something. And my, I thought if more of it was taken, and I don't necessarily, yes, some of it may have been a bit violently, but... You don't give the power for someone else to give you your freedom. And I think a lot of the civil rights movement, that is what occurred. That's a very dangerous statement, and I'll probably get sliced to smithereens throughout the Internet for saying that. But that has always been my belief. Now, we're coming close to the end of the show, so give me a a comment, John, and give me a closer. Comment first and then give me a closer. Okay, real quickly, what what specifically do you think uh, on the civil rights, uh, particularly, uh, were 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 not uh, up to your your standards? Well, when when uh, Martin Luther King told folks to allow people to beat the crap out of them and sick dogs off of them, right? I think for every action there should be an equal reaction. If the poli- uh, and I have to be careful with what I say, but with the with, when the, if the cops in those days, affected a certain type of, to put it bluntly, unconstitutional violence on, on some of its people, then maybe unconstitutional something was warranted as well. 
And people can say, well, that would have been, it would have snowballed or whatever. But here's the reality. The reality is most Americans want peace. Most Americans don't want to live in a permanent state of fear, a permanent state of all these other things. I, as, as a pacifist as I am, I believe that what occurred in America is that many in the white supremacy class, and believe it or not, there are many in the white supremacist class that don't classify themselves as such, believed that freedom, my freedom, the freedom of others was somebody else's to give. And once you feel that it's your ability, your ability to give something, it also can be taken away. And I think uh, that has left in the psyche of many white people and, even, and many good white people as well, but in the psyche that these people needed to be taken care of instead of these people fought. When we talk about the forefathers that came here and fought for this and fought to take this land, nobody ever thought that, that it was something that somebody gave to them. It was something that they took. And that has a very important psychological framework, not only for black people, not only for Latinos, not only for others, but it also has a profound psyche, psychiatric, uh, a profound effect on the psyche of the majority population as well. Come on in, John. Okay, I mean, that's okay. the, the classic uh, Malcolm uh, versus uh, Martin debate, right? To yes, some it is. degree. Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. All right. All right. Um, so uh, I'm just real happy that uh, Nina Turner and Jim Hightower are going to be in town uh, next Saturday. I think they're doing a, a five-city tour, a Texas tour, yes, promoting in Medicaid for All. When are yes, they going to be in yes. Houston? I, I don't recall the day in Houston, but I just got a message from the DSA this morning that I was not able to read that was asking that I promote it on KPFC. So I know they're going to be in town, and I'll, I'll probably call up Nina, Nina as well and see if I can get her on the show proper. All right. So I'm right. uh, looking forward to that. It's a great show. Great to hear uh, more callers. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's a great conversation. Look, thank you very much for being here. John, you are one of our stalwarts, and you always, you always bring those numbers for us. So I love to have you here because I know if, I'm, if I backtrack on something, you're always there to catch it. And since we like to make sure that we only give our audience truth, uh, facts, and the otherwise, and whenever I screw up, whenever John screws up, or whoever screws up, the dialogue, the, 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 what do we call it, the crowdsourcing ensures that what you're going to hear here ultimately is right, is correct, is fact-based. Look, folks. I really appreciate the time that you gave me today. Uh, we had quite a few viewers today, both on, um, on Blog Talk Radio and on Facebook Live throughout. Uh, thank you so kindly for being here. Next week, we'll be back again. But this, this, Wednesday, uh, this Thursday at 3 p.m. starts our fun drive at KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston. I want you to still call in. I still want you to listen to the show because we're going to have some very intriguing guests. We're going to have Kay West from the uh, Houston area uh, progressive, and we're going to have <laughs> judge that's doing quite a bit of activism in the community as well. We are also going to be asking you, of course, to support politics done right on KPFT because you know what? If you want to have a station, a progressive station in this, in this sea of conservatism, 
that is something we all have to do. So I'm going to ask you guys all to call in on Thursday at 3 p.m. Central, after just between 3 and, and 3.45 Central uh, time, Thursday, to make sure that we keep KPFT alive. Thank you so kindly for having been here with me. This is Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis. You guys have a wonderful rest of the weekend.